Good morning again. Uh, welcome to Jericho Road Church 2022, the first time we're meeting together. So bless you. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, we got a fantastic way to start out this new year. If you'd join us this Friday, uh, we're going to have our praise, prayer, and proclamation on, on this Friday. And so we would love to have you uh, be there. It's at 730. It's just a, about an hour where we kick off this year, right? And praying over ourselves, our church, our friends, and that kind of stuff. And if you can't uh, make it in person, that's okay. Join us online. We'd love to have you there. And uh, speaking of that, let's uh, say hi to our online friends. Hello, online friends. Hi, hi, hi. We still have some that are sick. There's some still that are in the in bedridden. Uh, we got some that are in Belize, uh, Thailand, uh, Washington, all sorts of places. Friends of Jericho Road joining us. Uh, one family, one heart in many locations. So uh, glad you guys are here in person and glad some of you are joining us online. So this morning, um, let's start out with our shouts. Uh, what do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. I hope that's the prayer and the truth of your heart as we say that out year after year, month after month, week after week, uh, really telling God that's what we want to exist for, to love Him and to love others. So welcome to our second week, as Pastor Trevor mentioned, of our series, Even If. In this series, we're exploring uh, the prophet Habakkuk and his three big questions. Well, he has a lot of questions, but they fall into three main categories that he has forgotten. The first one last week was he, he said, uh, does God care about what's going on? And we tackled that. This week it's, is God fair? And next week is, uh, we're, we're dealing with, is God there? So last week we discovered that, yes, God cares, and yes, God is listening. But he doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we anticipate. This leads Habakkuk to the second question. Is God fair? Because last week, God's answer to Habakkuk's questions, like, do you care about what's going on in the sin and that kind of stuff? And God said, yes, I'm going to send the evil Babylonians to judge the Jewish people, to bring God's, my, God said, my judgment onto my people through the Babylonians. That was his answer. And Habakkuk's got to be like, the Babylonians, God? Do you know who they are? Like, really, the Babylonians? How could you use them to judge your people? The Babylonians, they are certainly worse than us. And this was probably in factual reality. The Babylonians were into pagan worship and killing people and slaughtering and taking over nations and conquering and this sort of stuff. And so Habakkuk's got to hear this answer from God and say, like, well, God, what the heck is going on? They're certainly worse than us. How could you use people that are more wicked than your nation to judge your nation? God, that's not fair. Now, that's not fair. How could the, the, those evil, wicked people, they're going to conquer and win and, and gain all our treasures, and, and they're going to be the, the victors of this? God, that doesn't sound fair. Do you ever personally feel that way about God? I mean, not in a national sense, you know, of takeovers and that sort of stuff, but, but maybe quite personally, have you ever found yourself looking at Bill Gates and saying, like, that guy's not a believer. How come he could have that much money? Or maybe you're at a work situation and there's non-believers around you and they get promoted ahead of you. And you know they're not as honest or, or working as hard with the integrity that you are. And how could God allow them to get promoted ahead of you? You see people and that lady, she, she like makes way more money than you make. Or maybe you know someone who's like pretty shady in their life, but they're super healthy and their family's doing great. And you're struggling with health issues and you're struggling with some other struggles in life. And you're like, God, that just doesn't seem fair. Why does the evil person get to be healthy and rich? 
and I'm trying to follow you, and I'm broke, and I'm sick. (laughs) Or maybe not even me, but some of my family that I care about, that they're broke and sick. And and that's an issue not only for us, but it was an issue for Habakkuk. That's the way he saw things. He said, God, how could you possibly use these wicked people to judge a less wicked people? And how can that be your answer? Because, like, do you care? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm going to send these bad guys to bring judgment. He goes, that doesn't seem fair. But Habakkuk goes to God with all his doubts, with all his worries, with all his confusion. It doesn't seem fair that the wicked prosper, at least the more wicked than I. And here's what he says to God. Let's see how this unfolds. In Habakkuk 1.12, Lord, he says, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you'll never die. Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Talking about the Babylonians. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. But, but your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Have you, you, you've made people like like the fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. And the wicked foe pulls all of them up with their hooks and he catches them with the nets and he gathers them in his dragnets. And and so he rejoices and he's glad. And and then he sacrifices to his nets and he burns incense to the dragnets. It's all the nets have saved us. For his nets, he lives by luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So right away we said, God... We see Habakkuk's complaint. God, that doesn't seem fair. How is it that the treacherous people keep getting ahead? How is it that you're going to allow the Babylonians to do not? They've already conquered a bunch. You're going to even allow them to conquer us? So the solution seemed more problematic. So sometimes the, the solution, the cure is worse than the disease. And that's what it seemed like to Habakkuk. You know, it's like if we prayed, God, we want the church to become alive in America, so God sends another country to conquer America. You're like, well, well that's not what I was asking for, God. I just wanted like, a little revival, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It seemed like the little, that's not exactly what I meant. And, uh, and additionally, the solution seemed really odd to Habakkuk because he's like, God, I know your character. I know that you like holiness and righteousness and you're perfect. And he was saying that right away, right? And they said, so knowing that, how can you allow the treacherous to get ahead? So he wonders, God, why do you tr- tolerate these treacherous people and allow them to get ahead of the righteous? Why do they get all the fish? It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. And that's our question for today. Let's continue together and see. Here's how Habakkuk says. He says, but you know what, God? I will stand at my watch uh, and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he'll say to me. And what answer I'm to give to this complaint. So often we question God and we don't expect an answer. That's one thing. Like Sometimes we ask God a question and we don't even expect that he's going to answer us. But that isn't Habakkuk. He expected God to answer. But other times we ask God a question and we listen for just a second and then, and then we expect him to answer right away, right, when we demand it. But Habakkuk's not like that. Habakkuk actually gets it right. Habakkuk says, I'm going to ask a question, I'm going to expect an answer, and then I'm going to wait patiently for it. I wonder how, how often God's answers come, but find that we have already gone. You know, if, I, if I walk out to the mailbox, sometimes I, I, you know, I, I never generally get the mail, go out to the mailbox, open it up, see no mail, 
Lock it back up. We have a little lock on ours. Wait 10 minutes. No more mail. I go inside and I tell my wife, hey, babe, you know, like, they stopped delivering mail. Like, mail's not coming anymore. No, they didn't. I just have to wait a little longer. But how many of us are like, God, answer this prayer. Three, two, one, no. Why, God, don't you listen? You know, like, it's like ridiculous. Well, I waited a whole day. God didn't answer. God answers prayer on his timetable, not on mine. God is the postmaster, not me. And so I need to keep this in mind. And so, but Habakkuk has it right. He says, like, God, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to expect that your answer, but I'm going to wait. And I'm, I'm going to stay at my station. I'm going to keep doing, following you, loving you, fulfilling my job. Um, and I'm waiting for your answer. So uh, pretty fantastic. So his question doesn't actually indicate a challenge or a doubt or a disbelief of God. I would say quite the opposite. He, he really did think that God would answer him, and he really did think that God certainly had something going on, even though he didn't understand it. And so he asks for an explanation, and God gives it to him. Here's what God says. Now, again, like last time, we've got to be forewarned. God's explanation may not be exactly to what he was hoping it would be. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So God told Habakkuk to write it down for the benefit of other people. And in the following passages, he's going to talk about how how God sees this situation. And there's going to be two dynamics going on. On one hand, God is going to point out the evil of a nation and his judgment against that evil of a nation. And on the other hand, he's going to talk about the reality that nations are always made up of individuals. And so though the judgment may be on a nation, it's actually on an individual basis. And so these things are both national and personal. And that was true then, and it's true now. And so I want to, I think God does something really interesting as he answers his question, and I want you to hear it. Habakkuk's asking God, why are the Babylonians going to kill the Jews? Because the Babylonians are worse than the Jews, and we have the same sort of complaint but you're going to find that the reason God is allowing the Babylonians to conquer the Jews was the same reason why God is going to judge the Babylonians. They had all these issues. The Jews had these issues. They turned from God. They were idol worship. They were greedy. They were, they were violent. And then that's Habakkuk's same complaint about the Babylonians. But, but nations are always made up of people. And so that's going to, the problem with Israel was that they were doing these things and God judged them. The problem with Babylon is they're doing these bad things and God's going to judge them. And there's part of me that has to wonder about our nation and say, like, God, are we doing those things, same things as a nation? And then are you going to judge us? And nations are always made up of individuals. And so I can't control the nation, but I can control me as an individual. And so there's this interesting dynamic, I think, at least as I'm thinking through it and trying to wrestle with this next section that we're about to look together. I, I wonder if this doesn't look exactly like our nation sometimes. And then I wonder, does it not look exactly like me sometimes? So God shows Habakkuk that, he, that God is in fact fair, if by fair, Habakkuk means just. So check this out. Habakkuk, he says, uh, see, the enemy is puffed up. So God's talking about, he's like, God, don't you see these treacherous people? God says, I do. You know what I see? I see the Babylonians that are puffed up. They're full of pride. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by faith or faithfulness. 
Indeed, wine betrays him and he's arrogant and, and never at rest. So God points first out that this person, the enemy, is pride, proudful. If there's a sin that's universal, it's going to be pride. Pride's found everywhere and it takes all manner of shapes. And, and I know that we don't want to say that we're proud, but, but I wonder if we are. The rich man may be proud of what he has, but the poorer person proud that he's able to get by on less. The talented man proud of what he could do. Or the less talented proud that he worked harder than somebody and got to where he was. The religious proud of their religion, but those that don't believe in religion proud that they don't. The establishment man proud of his place in society, but the counterculture guy, he's proud of like his outcast status. The learned woman proud of her intelligence and learning, yet the simple woman proud that she's able to accomplish all this without that formal education. Pride can be especially dangerous among the people of God. It's said once that there's this English writer and Puritan preacher named John Bunyan who wrote uh, Pilgrim's Promise. You might be familiar with that. There's a story about him uh, that goes like this. After a sermon, someone comes up to him and, and told him, what if Pastor John Bunyan, you know, great sermon, what a fine sermon you preached. And John Bunyan says, you're too late. The devil told me that before I even stepped down from the pulpit. <laughs> he says, that, that's what the devil wants to do, get you proud. Satan telling the praying sister to be proud in her ability to pray or the, the growing brother to be proud of his spiritual growth. Even the humble one to be proud in their humility. Wow, I'm so humble, God. The contrast to pride, the, the counterbalance, the, the cure for pride is, is what it says right here in that, that verse. Let's pop that back up. It says, there's this dash, the proud are like this, but the righteous live by faith, or the righteous person will live by their faithfulness. Not their own ability to do anything, but God's ability to work in them. And so when I step down and someone says, like, oh, that's a good, uh, that was a good sermon, Pastor Sam, I always say, thank you, and praise God. You know, I'm thankful that you would say that nice thing to me, but, but ultimately I got to point back to God and say, it is all God, not myself, because it's God's ability to even work in me. True faith always looks outside of self to God while pride only looks to self. And so it's okay to get a compliment. It's okay to hear a compliment and say, thank you, and then direct it back to God. That's, that's how faithfulness works. That, that's what that righteous person living by faithfulness is, because it's not me. It is what God is doing, and I want to glorify and magnify him, him and not myself. So that first problem is the pride in the nations. He continues on, God says, uh, here's some issue, other issues I see, uh, even with the Babylonians, because uh, he is using he as Babylonians, because he is greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and he takes captive all the people. Will not all of them taunt him in ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion? How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey, because you have plundered many nations. The people who are left will plunder you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Babylon and her people, they were greedy, and they were always wanting more. Are, are we any different as a, as a nation? I'm like, oh, man, I hate to think this question, right? Is America as a nation greedy for more and more and more? Did we get upset when we were no longer the, the number one GDP in the world? Would we be bothered by that? 
because we just have to have more. We just want to be number one. And, and can we admit that maybe, not always, but maybe am I greedy for more? Maybe I see what someone else has, and, and I kind of want to have that car, that house, that location. I want to have that vacation. I want to have that bank account. I want to have that security. And we can even be that a little bit in ourselves. For a time, maybe greed seems prosperous. But ultimately, God is pointing out that it's temporary, just as nations and people are temporary. So far better to live for eternal things or lasting things of God, which greed is not. Then he continues and says this, Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. So this is just an extension of greed, a willingness to be shady to get ahead, getting rich on the backs of other people and and a willingness to do whatever it takes to get what you want. And then this person does their best to protect themselves. He says you're like a high, you put your, your treasure's high nest so no one can reach it or take it. And so we put our security in ourselves and and in this wealth that we have, and then we try to hoard and hide it, and so nobody can get it from us. Yet all their best defenses will come to nothing. And with each of these phrases that we go through, I have to resist the temptation to shout like, ha, I know people that are just like that, greedy people or shady people or people trying to hide their treasure, not be generous. Even as a Christian, sometimes they say that like, man, they have so much, they could be so much more generous, but I, I I better resist that temptation. And ask, honestly, is that, is that me, too? And is that my country, as well? God has more to say. Woe to him who builds a city with the bloodshed and establishes town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that our people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing, for the earth will be filled with knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, dealing with Violent bullies who chase after power and conquest. The violent man thinks that might makes right, so he feels free to abuse others for his gain. As a correction or rebuke, the Lord reminded him that the, even the violent man, that God will ultimately triumph. But there's more. This sermon is not going really well. It seems very negative. And can you imagine Habakkuk hearing this? He wanted the answer to God. Why are you allowing treacherous people to win out, and as he's listing these things, Habakkuk's got to be hearing in his own heart, and he just hears this list of bad things. There's more, though. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk so they could gaze on their naked bodies. You'll be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup of the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, Your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood and you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. And now back it might be going, yeah, Babylon is going to get theirs. So dealing with that two-faced, double-dealing kind of people, one who say one thing and the next. They invite you to, hey, drink with me, but they do it for an ulterior motive. Again, a familiar refrain that God will bring a reckoning. And there's a last one here. Of what value is idols carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or the life of stone, wake up, can you give it guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, there's no breath in it. 
So he's speaking against Babylon and their idol worship of any kind. So I have to say, I worry that uh, as I look at this list, uh, oh, Babylon, they're so bad, they're so bad, they're so bad, right? But you know why Israel was judged by Babylon? Because of the exact same checklist, idol worship, greed, two-faced, not following God, not being righteous. God says, I judge Israel. Habakkuk says, well, what about Babylon? God says, I'm going to judge Babylon. Then I got to say, well, what about America? God says, I don't know, you know. Continue that path. Now, we don't normally get all any political or national or that kind of stuff here. but And I, and I don't know of what even value it is to think that. I think there's a value in thinking about it. But, but what can I do? I can be reminded that nations are made up of people. And nations only reflect the character of the people. And so I have to then ask myself, where am I on that checklist of this and this and this? Because Ultimately, in every situation, whether it's Jews, the Babylonians, or whomever, God says, I will be righteous. So I'm tempted to decry them and not look at myself. But God's answer is that he'll judge, and he is not going to judge on the sliding scale of comparison one to another, but on the perfect scale of his holiness. Our last verse is going to remind us that the comparison of our lives, just like Babylon and Israel, We're not one to another. And so that's the the problem with Habakkuk's question. We're going to get to it right to the end. Because goodness, badness, God's judgment isn't based on a sliding scale of comparing me to you or you to them or someone worse or, or better. It's comparing to the perfect holiness of God. Check it out, the last verse we're looking at. The Lord is in his holy temple Let all the earth be silent before him. God's final answer on the topic is that he alone is holy and he alone will judge and all the earth will ultimately be silent before him. So you've got to think about what's what's going on here. He said, the question is, God, why do you allow the treacherous? And God seems to say, woe to Babylon because these things are going to come. But ultimately God says, God alone is holy. The earth will be silent. There is no such thing, in case you're ever worried about it, there's no such thing as a sinner getting away with sin or the unrighteous prevailing over God. It will never happen. This is true for the Babylonians. It was true for the Jews, his chosen people, and it's true for us, even his holy ones of God through Christ. There will be justice, even if it isn't right at this moment. Justice delayed is not justice denied. We would only be concerned about justice right now if we thought that this right now was the only thing in life. But I don't think that. I think there's there's an eternity. And so I can wait for the perfect judge who I completely trust God to bring the right judgment. The problem has been Habakkuk's eyes are always on somebody else and not on himself. And, And I think that's our same problem. Well, that's my problem, is that I I look often at other people and I don't look at myself. Last week we saw that that Habakkuk's prayer would be answered in a way better way than he could imagine, and and that's true for us, and God's justice will come about in the same way, even a way that we can't understand. So it doesn't matter the timing of it, but, but I can trust the good judge 
God of heaven. God, God will bring justice. God will bring judgment. And God will right the scales. Don't you worry. Every evil person will get theirs. God promises. Every person. Maybe you know a shady person or someone who's done you dirty. God, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And don't you worry. Every single person will pay for their sins. All people eventually stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But here's the thing. In that moment, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, do I want Christ to be fair? Fair is getting what you deserve. Am I going to stand before God? I'm going to say, God, you weren't fair. God says, here's the standard. You're right. I don't want God to be fair, because what is fair? Fair is that I am condemned. Fair is that I pay for the sins that I did against God. How do I pay for the sins that I get? That's what's fair, right? You pay for what you've done. You get what you deserve. When I stand before the judgment seat of God, I do not want God to be fair. Fair is that I spend eternity separated from Him because I cannot get to heaven. I have a crystal clear view of who I am. And and I don't always check all those boxes, but I have checked all those boxes. I'm not always an idol worshiper, but do I worship idols? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm more in love with the church than I am with God. Am I greedy? Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes I, I know what I got paid my cumulative work life. I'm not an idiot. I know what other people get paid and do sometimes sometimes I want to be a little greedy. Sometimes in my my violent in my heart or power trip over someone if I can, sometimes. So is God fair? Yeah. Unfortunately he is. God will give you exactly what you deserve. Every sinner will pay for their sins. God How do you allow the treacherous to succeed? God's answer was, I don't. They won't. But it's not a sliding scale. It's not more treacherous than me. When I get to heaven, I don't get to say, well, God, luckily, Kenny was worse than me. God's like, nope. Well, maybe he was. But irrelevant, because here's the standard. Kenny's not the standard. God's perfection is standard. And so I dare not cry, God, I want you to be fair. What what do I want from God? I don't want fairness. I want mercy. I want grace. And though, though I don't deserve it, God offers me an out. See, God says, here's fair. You're condemned forever because of your sin. Now, every time I talk to any person, believer or not, if you even ask unbelievers, have you ever messed up? Have you ever done something bad, which we call sin as Christians? Have you ever done a sin? There is no one I've ever met who said no. And God says, okay, if that's the case, here's the the price. It's eternity separated from me. But I don't want what's fair. When judgment comes, I want want mercy. And I want grace. And, And as we look at this, even as we think about God saying to this treacherous person, and maybe I want vengeance on them, but i got to be careful because is that just the violence in me? Because I don't want God's vengeance on me. I want God's mercy. And so when I even think about those other folks, I better be saying, like, God, I want your grace on them as well, not just for me. 
Fair is that all mankind gets judged and separated and condemned from him, all found wanting. So yes, God is fair, but then he goes beyond and he's merciful and gracious, providing an out for people. He provides that salvation through Christ over the fair punishment of eternal damnation, which I know that I deserve. So even if it's not fair, God gives me grace and mercy. So the answer to our question, is God fair, is both yes and no. Yes, he's just and he's going to punish and he's going to judge, but he also unfairly provides you with salvation. He unfairly provides you with the opportunity to go to heaven through Christ Jesus. And so even if it seems like the wicked are getting ahead, I trust God to both be fair and not fair. Would you stand with me this this morning? And and we're going to close this way. We're going to close with this thought in our head. And if you'll just sit in this for just a second. God, I want to worship you. The God who loves me, even if. Even if. Don't worry about the, the other treacherous. Worry about what's going on in you. God, we can worship you even if we, in fact, are the treacherous. Isn't that crazy? God, you are fair. You will be just. But you are loving. You will love us even if we've messed up. Even if we are just like the Babylonians or the Jews or every other fallen person, you'll love us even if, God. So I don't know if you have some of those even ifs that maybe you want to say, God, I find myself in that place. As I jump out here into 2022, I want to give it over to you. Maybe you had some stuff that looked wicked, was wicked. You want to just give it to him and trust the God of the universe who says, I love you even if.